Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast, so you turn all those retro notes into JIRA tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi friends, I feel like I haven't talked to y'all in a while, even though we release episodes every single week. Um, and so I'm bubbling up with so much that I want to talk about. So I'm sitting here in the DCP studio with a notebook in front of me just so I can kind of parse through my ideas because literally on the subway right here, I was like, oh my gosh, we have so much to talk about. We have so much to catch up on. Um, but you know, I think what we're going to talk about today is really this thing that's truly kept me up at night. I've had like several panic attacks over the last month as I'm falling asleep about this. And that is what is home and why am I not letting myself settle into home? Um, as a little bit of background, I have this weird anxiety about really letting myself settle into the current apartment that I'm living in. Henry and I have been living there for about a year and we uh, have another year on our lease. We signed a two-year lease. And yet there are small things where like I get really freaked out when we get wall art uh, or buy furniture because I'm like, why, why are we making this investment and spending money if we're just going to have to take everything down in a year? Even though that's not even a guarantee, we could always resign. Um, similarly, I have this anxiety about throwing away like large cardboard boxes or big suitcases. And, you know, I've never really put a lot of thought into that. Like, it's always just been like, I just kind of say, no, Henry, like I need my big suitcases. And then, you know, as we, he started to move in more, right. And like growing wardrobes and bringing in new furniture, we have really had to analyze different closet space and even different bedroom space to be like, okay, like, let's really think consciously about what we need and what we don't need. I mean, that is, you know, the the reality of living in New York City is always being super conscious about how we can live smaller and be more concise about what we own, um, which I feel like is a really good challenge. And I have no issue getting rid of things that I don't feel like I need, right? Like I make a weekly trip to the thrift store with like a huge bag of clothes that I just give away. Like Mary Kondo changed my life, spark joy. I totally live by it. I like to own a not a lot of things. Um, but part of that even relates back to the idea that I do have this 
this this obsession with with keeping tabs on everything I own and keeping tabs on where the big suitcases in the house are and knowing that if I needed to, I could move everything I own and flee in like an hour, right? And it's interesting because I think about this a lot like throughout my last few years of life and this has been kind of a constant thing where I feel a lot of anxiety about settling in anywhere and then I also feel a lot of comfort in knowing that I could pick up and leave. Um, And I think that, you know, in, in thinking about kind of the conversations I've had with Henry recently is I think this is something he doesn't relate to at all, right? He lived in one house for his whole childhood life. His parents still live in that house. Um, And he's very much like, you know, in love with me and wants to make this a really special home for me. And yet here I am like having anxiety about the fact that we might have to move in a year, even though there's no guarantee of that. And I think that there is some like personal jab he feels when I'm like, well, what if we break up and there's a fight and I need to get the fuck out, you know? Um, And I think of course he can remind me, okay, that's not going to happen. Like he, we are stable. We are really privileged to be in a financial, financial, financial situation now uh, where we can really be able to extend a lease and like stay in this dream apartment um and yet like I'm just not letting myself settle in and the anxiety about it has gotten really bad in the last month where as I'm trying to fall asleep I start obsessing over the to-do list and the anxiety of not being able to find another place right so again completely irrational like we don't have to move for another year we have the lease for another year we can potentially re-extend nobody has told us that we have to move and yet this is what happens in my brain when I go to sleep I close my eyes I start breathing we're listening to some audiobook and I start thinking well where are we going to move and should I be looking at Zillow and do we buy or do we rent and what if we rent and what do I really want do I want amenities okay then if we have to move how much is it going to cost for us to bring in a mover and is it going to be more expensive what about the new variant of COVID do we have to keep that in mind and how much would it be to bring all the cardboard boxes in what are the things I should give away oh my gosh but if we don't get an elevator and then will I feel unsafe if we don't have a doorman like I literally start having this panic and I just start like struggling to breathe. I'm like twitching. Henry starts asking me what's wrong. And I'm just like frozen in fear. I can't communicate what I'm thinking about. And so I just kind of like panic. And eventually like I kind of pass out from I maybe exhaustion of it. And like I do go to sleep, but it is this like really hypertensive moment right before I go to sleep, which is not fun. And I actually had this anxiety last night. So I'm like feeling really groggy right now because of it. And it's just like this irrational, stupid fear that's really frustrating, but, you know, is something that I've dealt with my whole life. Right. And even as I, you know, talk about this and I reflect on how, you know, on paper, it's irrational for me to have this fear. I still cannot get rid of these big suitcases. I have these two big suitcases and then two medium-sized suitcases. The only reason I have them is because I feel like I need to move. And when I think through like my last few years of life again, I think that there are a few key moments and like consistent patterns where I feel like I've justified to myself why I need to be on the move, right? Most recently when I was, you know, touring and speaking all the time, I had a dorm. At one point I had an apartment and I 
didn't really move into either of those. Everything was kind of like on the hangers on the hooks, but nothing was on the wall. I lived mostly out of a suitcase. I was on the go traveling on a plane one to two to three times a day on red eye flights on consecutive nights in a row during the week, um, coming into Harvard on Monday mornings, leaving on Monday evenings. Like I essentially for the last three years lived a life on the go. And I think also in college, I knew that I was constantly having to pick up and move everything that I owned multiple times a year, right? So moving into my dorm, uh, you know, at the beginning of the fall semester, uh, knowing that I had to leave for a month and a half. So packing a huge bag, leaving for winter break, um, and then doing that multiple times a semester. And then also in the summer, figuring out where I was going to live in the summer um, and not being allowed to leave anything on campus. Um, and so I think that with the added layer of then not leaving anything at home, right? I think I, I talked to my friends from college about this where I don't think that they really struggled with this because they always had like a childhood home at their childhood house. I didn't have that because growing up through high school, we lived in a two bedroom apartment with four people. And so when I moved out, I had to try to get all my stuff out, like to be conscious for my mom. But I also didn't want to leave things back. I don't think I really felt like I should or had the right to have an attachment to that childhood home. Similarly, my mom recently moved. And so the home that, that my mom and my youngest sister they're living in isn't the home that I know. And I think there is no childhood home that I even feel attached to because we were moving so often and that we did go through these phases of housing instability. Um, and so I think that, you know, before COVID for the last three years, I was living, you know, moving in and out of dorms, not living in any like dorm room for longer than three months or, you know, six months. Um, but then the added layer of that is even when I had that dorm room, I was only there maybe a few nights of the month, right? Otherwise I was traveling. I was living out of hotels, sleeping at airports, sleeping on red eyes. So I think that this idea of like needing to be on the go and having a suitcase that I can depend on is like, makes a lot of sense. Like that is the life that I've lived for the last few years. What doesn't make sense is that now I'm, you know, several, like a couple years now into a global pandemic where I'm one year into a two year lease. I am in a financially stable position. I shouldn't have to worry about moving in. And yet I'm having these panic attacks of where am I going to live next? Am I going to have a place to live next? What if I, you know, don't have any income in a year, which is a valid fear, like most startups fail, right? Um, but it's the something that this, it's this thing that I have real anxiety about that's keeping me up at night and I'm like actively trying to figure out and you know it's not new anxiety I feel like I've always had this anxiety of like where I'm gonna live you know the st stability of my life in general am I gonna be safe right like that's all I think typical kind of PTSD anxiety of that results from growing up with housing instability and home instability as a kid but I feel like kind of what I'm trying to work through right now is really that survivor mentality of trying to remind myself like that anxiety was valid in the past and I'm safe now, right? Like when I, I think back to when I was in high school, I used to have similar 
phenomenons of panic attacks about like whether or not I was safe in the present moment. And I would start to have these flashbacks to trauma. And my therapist used to have me actively clap or stand up, like do something physical to snap out of it and then tell myself that I was safe. Right. So sometimes I would have to like clap, like literally clap really loudly, like over and over again, stand up, change my body position and say, okay, I'm not there. I'm safe. Like rationally, I'm safe. Like I'm alone. I'm safe. Like everything's fine. Or at uh, you know, for about a year, I had like a rubber band around my wrist and I would like snap it, you know, to try to kind of give myself a sensation of getting out of that headspace. And I think that that is kind of the same, the same anxiety I'm having now. Right. Um, I don't think I had this anxiety, like for the first few months of my lease. And maybe that was because I was like, oh, in my head, you know, I, I'm not even 25% of my, le like the way through my lease, but now it's like, I'm hitting that 50% mark and I'm like daily anxiety about where I'm going to live. Right. Um, and it's really something that I want to work through. And I wanted to talk about it today because I think that it's something that, is kind of my, my, uh, the obsessing thing that my anxiety is looking at right now, where my anxiety is like, you know, things in life are rather stable. And I feel like things with the company are going well, my relationship is stable and well and safe and loving. And this is a thing that I'm obsessing over right now. Um, and it's been really exhausting. Um, I've also been thinking a lot about like that. I have this sense of pride around the fact that I can pick up and move really easily. Like, I think that when I say, you know, and Henry pointed this out recently, when I even say the words like, oh, I lived out of a suitcase for three years, like, I feel a, a sense of pride. And I think people can sense that sense of pride when I talk about it. And I think it's because for me, being able to do that was my claim to independence, right? Was that I didn't have to rely on a lease or didn't have to rely on, you know, having adult furniture or um, having to rely on my parents or school even to give me that safe home. But like I could live out of a suitcase and it meant that I was free to go and free to move as I pleased. Um, and so I think that there was an element of control. Um, I think similarly, my last breakup before Henry uh, was um, with someone that I ended up living with and even like adopted a dog together. And there was a period of time when I thought that like this person was my end game, um, even though we didn't know each other that well. And we were like really incompatible in the end. But you know, we lived together for almost a year and I had all my stuff there. I was still traveling. I was still speaking, but I was still there. Right. And we kind of abruptly broke up where, you know, we weren't ever talking about the idea of breaking up. And then we were just bickering and fighting and it was just like a toxic, unhappy relationship. And I think we both kind of started to sense that, but it was never a conversation about breaking up. And then one day I got home from a trip uh, and he kind of sat me down and he was just like, I, uh, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm unhappy. I feel unloved because you're obsessed with your career and this isn't going to work. And he said, you know, you can totally feel free to stay here for the month and live here and figure out where you're going to go next. And I responded by saying, yeah, okay. Like, you know, argued about it for a while. And then I was like, Honestly, I'm just going to leave. Like, I'm going to leave today. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save money on your insurance? 
Of course you would. After all, who wouldn't love a great deal, right? And when it comes to great rates on insurance for all of the things in your life, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners, condo, or renters coverage. You could save even more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages. Plus, add the easy-to-use Geico mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And choosing to switch to Geico becomes an easy choice. Switch to and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent and get started seeing how much you could save. This show is part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. I think most of us agree that in a functioning democracy, the winner should be determined by the voters. Well, that almost didn't happen in 2020. Now, extremists are working to intimidate and replace nonpartisan election workers with quote-unquote yes-men who might reject election results. The only thing that will stop them is us. We partnered with the grassroots pro-democracy organization, Represent Us, to give you the tools you need to protect free and fair elections. Learn more and get involved. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. And I think maybe there's a part of my brain that knew that the breakup could be coming. And I had kept tabs on the fact that Nick, my co-founder today, um, had a spare room. And I remember being like, you know, if anything goes wrong, like, can I come stay with you? Because, you know, me and my ex were fighting quite a bit. And he was like, yeah, totally. And I remember like we broke up and I was like, I'm going to leave. Can you just like give me some space? And then I spent the next hour packing like putting things in suitcases and with a few suitcases and a couple, you know, trash bags of clothes, I packed everything and I left. Um, and I walked out of the house and that was like the last time we ever had a conversation. Like I've never had a conversation with my ex since. And it was very much like a clean break. Like we didn't really have contact. I remember I went back to pick up like some socks, uh, that I had left, which I didn't even need. Um, like a week later, uh, I said goodbye to a couple of the roommates that we were living with. But I think that I remember when that breakup happened, I wasn't heartbroken. I think that there was a part of me that was really relieved, but I also think that there was a part of me that gained this newfound sense of confidence because that wasn't a relationship that made me feel confident or independent. I think it kind of made me feel the opposite. And, you know, I remember when we broke up, being able to find my footing and be like, oh, I'm not heartbroken. And, uh, you know, actually being fighting after like my high school ex, which is also irrational and maybe like just a refocusing of my energy, which is off topic. But I think that like, I remember going through that breakup and having so much pride about the fact of how I handled it, right? Saying I am independent and I didn't need this relationship. And even though I was the one who was dumped, it was something that kind of gave me this kick in the ass where like I was so proud that I could pick up and move, that I wasn't dependent on this home and that I didn't feel like a claim to that apartment, right? Which is maybe part of the reason why like that relationship didn't work out. Like I did never let myself to truly like settle in because I didn't let myself settle in anywhere. Um, but I think that like, you know, there aren't a lot of moments where I'm proud of myself, right? As someone with like severe imposter syndrome and BPD and being really self-critical and, you know, really, uh, I think focused always on what I can be doing better and how I can be doing better. 
there aren't a lot of moments where I look back and I think, wow, I'm really proud of myself and I'm really proud of how I handled that situation. If anything, usually it's the opposite. Usually I look back at how I handled relationships or breakups and I'm like, fuck Nadia, like, why do you have to do that? Like, why are you like that? Why am I like this? Why am I so screwed up? Like, am I toxic? But the moments where I look back and I'm like, wow, I'm really proud of how I navigated that situation. Or I'm really proud of how independent I am. Those are the moments where I felt really independent, where I didn't necessarily feel safe, but I felt like I could pick up and move. Like I had created a world for myself where all I needed was my body and a suitcase, right? And um, if I ever unpacked, I could quickly pack up and leave again within an hour, right? Even after, again, with my ex living in one place for almost a year. Um, And so I think that like, it started as I start thinking about it more. And like, even as I'm talking about it now, recording Tigris for all of you to hear, it starts making a lot of sense. Like, okay, maybe this fear and this attachment to being able to move, like it makes sense. Right. And it is attached to so much of my trauma. It is attached to so much of my personal history, but like, I need to let it go because it's actively getting in the way of the happiness I could have, the security I could feel today. I live in this beautiful apartment that I like would have dreamed of living in. You know, my mom recently told me like every single, uh, you know, year for New Year's, my mom does this exercise where we draw out how our year has been and then draw out where we want to be a year from now, kind of like drawing and manifesting what we want to like, what we want to see in our life. And she said, when I turned 20, I did one where I envisioned my life for when I was 30. And my dream for when I was 30 is that I would be in a relationship with someone who has financially stable themselves. So I didn't have to worry about that. But then also I would live in this like dream apartment in New York city with floor to ceiling windows. Like that was my dream. And my mom said like, you have made that happen for yourself by the time you're 23. And like, that is something that I'm really proud of because Like the idea of having an apartment of my own after going through housing instability, which did affect so much of my mental health, like that is something I'm proud of. And then I have this mental barrier where I'm not letting myself enjoy that. Like I'm not even really calling it my home and I'm not letting myself settle in and we're slowly putting things on the wall, but most of the rooms and the walls are rather bare because I can't decide on anything because I look at art. I want to, you know, actively compensate an artist. And then I'm like, but then why would I spend $500 or even, you know, a few like 60, why would I spend 60 bucks on a picture I might have to take down? Why should I put holes in the wall where I might have to move and, you know, spackle up the walls again? Um, and again, I'm having active panic attacks at night about this and I'm not giving up closet space, which in New York is very valuable because I can't give up these big suitcases. So, you know, this is something that I'm working through. And I think, you know, I'm still, Henry and I recently switched health insurances again, which means that I'm still kind of thinking about, you know, what my therapist situation is going to be. I recently got a primary care doctor, so I'm working with her um, to really figure out like finding a therapist. But oh my gosh, y'all, actually, if you have any therapist recommendations, please send them to me. I've looked on ZocDoc, ZenCare, psychology today and I cannot find a single one single like women therapist who specializes in like PTSD who is taking in-person clients and I cannot do video therapy I've tried with four different therapists I just like have too much ADHD I like can't focus I like dissociate I don't even know what we're talking about it just makes me more upset so I like am really struggling with finding a therapist but I really need to and I think like this 
kind of element of learning to settle in and kind of accept the rewards and excitement of where my life is developing. That's the biggest thing I'm working through right now because it's causing my insomnia and panic attacks today. Um, so yeah, I thought I would share and I, I would love any advice if y'all have dealt with this too. Um, and you know, I'm excited for cultivating my sense of independence, obviously. Like I think it's something I love about myself, but also maybe learning to lean on other people and settle into places is going to be kind of my goal for the next few months, um, especially in my self-growth journey. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for listening to me vent about this, uh, this dilemma I'm facing. Um, I hope all of you had a wonderful, wonderful holiday weekend and you're feeling excited for the holidays. Seasonal depression is really fucking real. I'm all into it and like deep into it. Um, especially with, you know, COVID these new COVID variant and freaking daylight savings, making it be dark at 5 PM. It freaking sucks. Um, but I'm sending love to all of you and uh, I'm excited to celebrate our first holidays together. Um, much love to y'all from the DCP studios working with my DCP team. Um, and I will see you all next week on Wednesday, wherever you stream your podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.